Hello, hello, everybody! This is No Chick Flick Moments, and I am your co-host, Remy. Hi, everyone. I'm your other co-host, B. Welcome to our Supernatural Watchcast. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi! Here we are, third episode of the first season. Yes, today we are watching Supernatural, season one, episode three, Dead in the Water. Dun, dun, dun. No, dun, dun, dun. It was a very creepy episode, though. Uh, you know, sometimes they ask for first impressions. Uh, they mm-hmm. did a good job. I I was um, happy how well the first episode did in kind of bringing me into the horror genre of Supernatural in a way mm-hmm. that we, you know, Supernatural definitely evolved from over its 15 se- seasons. But I think that last episode was a little bit campier. Um, but eh, literally, get it? Campier? Wendigo? Campier? Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> but this episode, it got me a little bit. It gave me a spookums. I r- agree. I really like how this episode wasn't like a clear cut lore dump to explain what was going on. Mm -hmm. It felt very much like the boys have to improvise on cases to figure things out. And it's all their logic jumps, their puzzle solving that ended up saving the day. I really liked that fashion rather than, you know, we're going to hit a book. We're going to find a name for this exact type of spirit. And we have a very specific way of getting rid of them. B, I feel so smart right now because you've validated me and you're like my meta queen and I just live <laughs> to be, you know, to to get on your level. But uh but I did in this episode, I was all like, I love how it it's more uh show than tell in this episode. Mm-hmm. I noticed that as well. Yeah, we're left with questions as to what exactly is going on, but it's not plot hole questions. It's genuinely like we're dealing with the supernatural and we don't have answers for everything. Supernatural. (laughs) Noisy title cards, as you mentioned last week. I love them so much. I love (laughs) them so much. Okay, guys, let's get into it. B and Remy going for episode three. (laughs) Okay, synopsis, director, writer. Gimme, gimme. This was an episode that was written by Sarah Gamble and Rael Tucker. Sarah? Sarah Gamble, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, the first two episodes were written exclusively by Eric Kripke. I totally lied. Actually, last episode was <laughs> a collaboration between three different writers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess Eric was just supervising. Um, but this episode three was um, written by Sarah Gamble and Rael Tucker. Sarah Gamble is a big name in the Supernatural Um mm-hmm evolution the evolution of supernatural she i don't know much about how long she stayed on the series but i know that she stayed with the series for a long time and this is the first time that we're seeing her Ryle uh tucker uh the second writer for this episode and also sarah gamble's writing partner throughout the entirety of season one she only stayed on through season two um and then she moved on to write for true blood actually oh interesting Mm mm-hmm 
I looked into it because Rael Tucker was a name that I hadn't heard before, so I was a little curious. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that to attention because mm-hmm. I hadn't heard her name before. Uh, she also, if you look at her episode um, catalog for Supernatural, she's got some goodums in there. Nice. Yeah. But this is her first. So this was also an episode directed by Kim Manners. The legend, yeah. <laughs> and the original air date for this episode was September 27th, 2005. Okay. And the synopsis for this episode reads... <clears throat> <laughs> ominous <laughs> no 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 i <laughs> this one isn't actually as much as a do as much of a doozy as uh the other two were but the synopsis reads sam and dean investigate a series of mysterious drownings written off as suicides they discover the spirit is an angry little boy with the power to travel through water who is taking revenge on certain town inhabitants for a dark secret buried long ago dean forms a bond with a young boy who seems to have the power of premonition i wonder if sarah and rail had any idea what they were doing when they made dean characterized in this episode like <laughs> did they know what they were doing I, it, it's so funny it's so funny because i don't oh man i I was really thinking about it hard watching this episode. We see a lot of back and forth between Sam and Dean in this episode where Sam looks to his brother like, who is this person? Who is this yes. like nice guy who isn't just trying to get into the ladies' pants, who is being kind to children, and who, I don't know, wants to... You know, actually cares about what happens to this town and to these people. Yeah, like what type of perspective did he have of Dean that yeah. so many of these things go unnoticed? Like, we we can talk at length about that, the way that Dean was parentified as a young child to Sam. So Sam didn't really see his brother as a person. He saw his brother as a parent or a caretaker. Uh And it tends to be when kids look at their parents, they don't see them as fully realized adults. They see them as the mom, the dad, the parent that takes care of them. And that's the level to which they get to know them. Someone who's above it all. Or, yeah. um, and we talked last week, and we can, we will definitely probably talk about it more as we go through the episode. But uh, we we did talk about it last week a little bit on how Dean, you know, slips on these masks and how he operates in this comfort, what seems to be a comfort space for him as just this caricature of a person. And mm-hmm. a lot of what Sam, a lot of Sam's reactions to Dean in this episode are kind of were reading to me as even Sam, objectively the closest person to Dean in the entire world, only saw the surface level of what Dean was putting out there for the world yep. to see. Absolutely. I totally agree that Sam is 
the person that Dean wants to have um, respect him the most. You know, like, he looks to Sam and he doesn't want to disappoint him. But it seems to be any time that Dean doesn't fit into these boxes that Sam expects for him, that Dean kind of shuts down and he doesn't go any further into these places of vulnerability or these places that Sam doesn't seem to expect him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I thought it was so narratively interesting to have this episode where it's episode three of the series and we're seeing this um more empathetic vulnerable side of dean and then we have sam who's making a joke of it and i was like sam you are eric kripke in this moment you kind of handed over the reins to sarah gamble or rael tucker to say hey look take my character isn't he great and mm-hmm. and then they're like, yeah, he's an actual person. And then Sam is the guy who is like, no, but you're not this person. Yeah. This macho man, this charismatic salesman of a character, you know, mm-hmm. this macho man um, that we saw in episode one. And here we are dismantling that and seeing a softer, vulnerable side, which seems to be counterintuitive to the archetype that they were initially casting him as. Yeah, yeah. And I think that one of the reasons why we have so much to talk about it is that we'll see through, I would say, the first two or three seasons, them continuously trying to roll it back they've like they let the cat out of the bag and then they keep trying to tell us but but dean is just this archetype but he's not so i yeah so i was really thinking like who is responsible for that evolution for for that soft underbelly is it jensen ackles is it the other writers is it just the natural evolution of the characters it all seems to be the 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 wildest sort of happy accident Oh, totally. Like, I don't think that we would necessarily get the same results if we had a different actor in this Mm -hmm. position, because you could very easily take the things that Dean was saying with this little kid, Lucas, and make it feel more like a strong arm or more like coddling the kid to just get what you need from it. But the way it was written in addition to the way Jensen acting it is very much like here is this macho man trying to connect on a vulnerable plane with this kid who has gone through trauma that echoes his own. Mm -hmm. Like we wouldn't get this level of holy shit if it was just one or the other. It was really this beautiful combination of both like choosing to do a case that echoed Dean's trauma and then having written it so that Dean connects with the boy using that trauma is not something I think I would expect Kripke to do. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I totally agree. It's not, and it's also, I would say not something that I would have expected from episode three of this series when I, when, you know, through episode one and two, and even for Kripke's whole vision of the series, um, you, you thought that it would have been something else. But Yeah. If anyone, you'd think that they would lean on Sam to do this type of thing. Right. And 
again, watching this episode, it's like they have partnered Dean off with the child Lucas, Sam off with the mother, Andrea, but ultimately at the end, Dean's the one who gets the kiss from Andrea, and Sam is really almost a witness to this opening of his brother's vulnerability and not necessarily reacting to it in the way we'll see in later seasons where Sam realizes his brother is a person too and is making space for Dean to have these feelings that Sam never thought that he would experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think that through uh, this you know, where we're at right now are the brothers are still very much learning how to be together and who they are. They think yeah. that they know who each person is, but just like we had uh, Dean last episode surprised and taken aback by, you know, the anger that Sam could hold because it didn't, it didn't fit with what he thought his, his brother was. Mm-hmm. Now we have Sam kind of doing the same thing. So they're still learning each other, relearning each other. Yeah. And that they've been apart for two years. There's been growth that each of them have experienced that the other one hasn't seen. So it is not only these layers of, you know, Dean is more of an adult figure to Sam and... Dean sees his little brother as this cheerful little kid or whatever the case is. But it is also my snapshot of you has been paused for two years and you have moved in that space since then. And how do you no longer line up to what I know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. And I, and I want to talk about how all of these misunderstandings and pre conceptions stem from just having an entire life of only being able to rely on each other and how that's messed them up along the way but be we this feels like a final takeaway we haven't even started the episode what are we even talking about here what are we doing (laughs) we can you tell guys that we liked the episode it's it's so juicy there's so many tidbits in it that you can just really nurse and be like what does it mean (laughs) but to get into the episode here um we're starting off at lake manitowoc wisconsin there is a father a daughter a son inside of this cabin in the woods the daughter sophie is kind of teasing her brother for still living at home she's getting ready to go out swimming and it's when she's in the water that things go terribly wrong the the opening to this episode though is so dawson's creek it's so everwood (laughs) So I don't have any of these references. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, I mean, I mean, Sophie bounds into the kitchen, gets her dad a sweet kiss on the cheek, and then the fair enough, sibling fair enough. teasing and the the varsity t-shirts and yeah. Well, yeah. Here's this family getting along, and aren't they perfect? There's mm-hmm. no dark secrets lying under the surface, just like there's no dark secrets under the water surface. Ooh. So Sophie goes swimming. She is she has swum out towards the middle of the lake, and then she hears. You know, I, 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 I think that she starts to get uneasy, right? And I think yeah. that 
so often in TV, there's like this ambient music or sounds that is supposed to, for the viewer, be amping up the creepiness level. Yeah, but they're telling us to be spooked. Right, they're telling us to be spooked. But I think in this instance, that um, kind of childish whispering, as we learn lab- later, I think is actually happening in the episode. And it's not just a spookum sound for the mm-hmm. viewer. So that's why Sophie gets so freaked out. She's like, I, I'm. What, what, what is happening? I actually hear the spookum sounds. Yeah, she's a hundred yards out, and every time she breaks the surface of this water, she's looking around, like, okay, who the fuck is out there making these noises? Mm-hmm. And it's not long until she actually ends up getting dragged below the lake, and apparently she's never seen from again. Yeah, title card. Boom. Boom. Cut to a diner someplace else, who knows where. Dean is going through newspapers, kind of scratching out certain areas, and then he ends up circling the obituary here for Sophie. Right, Lake um, Montauk in Wisconsin, uh, Sophie Carlton only 18 and she is one of three disappearances in the lake in the last year the weird thing you know they're called accidental drownings but they drudge the entire lake for all three of these disappearances and the body is never recovered they're just gone yeah fully vanished and the family buried an empty casket two days ago you know, for closure or something. Mm -hmm. And Sam doesn't seem impressed with this logic that Dean's applying. He is trying to tie what Dean is nudging at saying is a case back to the fact that, you know, if we're looking for a missing person, we should be looking for dad. Exactly. People don't disappear Dean other people just stop looking for them and I, I love I love this scene because I um in taking my notes I paused quite a few times during this Sam and Dean dialogue and every single time that I paused I got the most exquisite Sam bitch face screen cap <laughs> the baby bitch face still being practiced on anybody could ask for it was perfect <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was so funny because, yeah, you're right. Sam is just like, well, Dean, what in are case you have here? forgotten, yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm not interested in trudging through the classifieds. I need to find Dad. Carrying on with what we heard from him, of course, last episode, but Dean is pushing back. To say, hey, the trail's gone cold. What do you want us to do? Like, what are we supposed to be doing that we're not already doing? But Sam just sees them losing momentum here. Yeah. And Dean gets a little snippy. I I don't know if it's exclusively to do with the dad or maybe the fact that Dean got um, cock-blocked by Sam (laughs) with this server, Wendy, who is kind of being flirtatious with Dean. But Dean snaps at him and is along the lines of, you know, you've been gone for two years. So, like, what the fuck do you think you know that I don't? Right. Right. Yeah. I've I've been the one that's been with dad every day for the past two years. 
I got the impression. Dean doesn't say this. He says, you know, we'll find dad when we find him. But in the meantime, we can hunt. Um, But uh, the impression that I got was, you know, we're not, the trail is cold because dad wants it to be. We're not Mm going to find dad if he doesn't want to be found. Yeah, and there's no point just spinning our wheels, driving around the country with our head out the window going, John? John? (laughs) We may as well be doing something effective in the meantime. Right, right. So I think that that what I took away from this scene was Dean was, Dean realizes this is is almost standard operating procedure for John, uh, where Sam doesn't, in, in Dean's eyes, Sam doesn't get it. Yeah. And maybe Sam just feels like they need to be doing something in mm-hmm. order to have that sense of accomplishment. But Dean has the experience, like you're saying, to be like, I, I don't care how much you're going to try. When John wants to drop off the grid, he's gone. Mm-hmm. And truly, I mean, John could drop them a call and be like, hey, I'm over here. Don't worry about me. But he's not doing this. And Dean's like, you just have to accept that. Yeah. 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 So Sam kind of relents. You know, Dean brought out the parent voice. So Sam's like, okay, yeah, (laughs) let's go do the case if that's going to appease you. And so they drive off to Wisconsin up to this cabin and they are trying to talk to the Sophie's brother, Will. And if not him, then the father looking pensive out on the dock on the lake. They introduce themselves as Agent Ford and Hamill, a nod to that uh, Luke Skywalker. That's, yeah, that Star Fights show. <laughs> those yeah, people from those the people. 70s. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm but, kidding. You know. I love Mark Hamill. We've got we've got our Han Solo and we have our Luke Skywalker here. They are uh, officers with the Wildlife Reserve. Was that with Wildlife Services? Okay, okay. Uh, and they are investigating the death, and uh, they don't get really any more information out of the brother that they didn't have before uh we learn that the brother his name is uh will yep yeah Uh, and the dad's name is bill (laughs) right right uh so we learn that junior here he uh did witness his sister go under he saw it happen uh but no one seems to believe him that she was dragged under this is still being written off as an accidental drowning and uh and uh, you know he doesn't really have any more information than that she was just gone yeah and the boys ask but there was no strange tracks or shadows in the water sophie is a very strong swimmer she's on the varsity team and there was no signs of distress at the point when she went under Mm -hmm. so it's all very curious about what went on Mm -hmm. and so they want to get more information but will doesn't let them go question his father that's just a dead end at this point yeah, he didn't see anything, and he's been to a lot. He's just a grieving father at this point. 
Yeah, he's moping out on the dock. Just let him mope. Don't bother him with questions that are not going to go anywhere. So with that uh, trail going cold, they show up at the sheriff's office. And again, they're there as wildlife services. Um, They find out, like you mentioned, they dragged the lake. They did sonar. There's nothing carnivorous in the area that would you know, attack people. These people who drowned are just gone. Yep. And we have Sam and Dean pushing back on that. You know, three disappearances in the past year. There's nothing fishy about that. Their bodies are just gone. But the sheriff, he he says, yeah, you know, these are people, these are my people. I know them. I care about them. Uh, but right now we don't have anything to go on. And anyways, in a few months, it's not going to matter. Yeah. And so the boys kind of perk their ears up at that. He's like, oh yeah, you're in wildlife services. You know all about the dam. And Dean, you know, he's (laughs) rolling the dice. He's like, yes, it's leaky. It's got a hole in it. It's bad now. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, the infrastructure is failing. The federal government won't grant any money to its repair. So instead, they are opening the spillway and they're going to end up draining the lake. And this lakeside town is going to lose its namesake. Yes. Not much of a lake anymore in a few months. Not much of a town either. Yep. So curious, curious. At this point, there is a knock on the office door and the sheriff's daughter, Andrea, enters and she has a little exchange with Dean. Dean's immediately eyes emoji at her. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, B, 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 B. This had me cranked up so tight all episode. Who is this actress? Who Amy is she? Amy Acker. Amy Acker. She's from Angel. She's also done Christmas movies. I know her. I well, Was she not in Supernatural? Was she not a, a bit character later on in the series, maybe? Or... I think she's just this one for Supernatural. But she's been on a bunch of shows. Like, she's been on Suits. She showed up in Grey's Anatomy. She has been all over TV. But she kind of rose to fame in angel mm-hmm. as um fred ah, i saw her and i'm like i know you i know you who are you <laughs> i'll have to look i i didn't look up her imdb because i thought that for some reason she was giving me angel vibes like i had seen her later as like a reaper or an angel in supernatural specifically mm-hmm. but um uh, but I'll have to look her up. I mean, she's probably, she's, it's probably a Grey's Anatomy thing, knowing me. Yeah, I think she played Kathleen Shepard, if that helps you at all. So one of the Ooh. siblings. Okay. All right. All right. She, it, her face was bugging me all episode. Okay. I, I, I divest, not, not divest, digress. That's the word. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, she she's definitely famous in like the Buffy crowd, that fandom, just because mm-hmm. Angel spinoff had her for so long and she was so beloved. I didn't watch it. Sorry. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyways, go on. So this is Andrea Barr, uh, the yeah. sheriff's daughter. We are also introduced to her son, Lucas. Yes. And Lucas is actually evading introductions here. He's silent. He is not looking Dean in the eye. And it's at this point the sheriff is like, okay, we're kind of done. Goodbye. And before they leave, Dean tries coaxing Andrea to walk them to the motel that's only two blocks away. <laughs> yeah, take a left and then it's two blocks down. Can, can, can he walk me? He was so cute in that moment, though, where he was mm-hmm. like, "What? Uh, le- left or right? Can, can you show us? Trying to be a real smooth operator here. Mm-hmm. But yes, yeah, she'll, she'll walk them. She walks them to the hotel. Yeah. So on this walk and talk, Dean is expressing how much he likes kids and just trying to play that angle up. But when they arrive at the motel, she shoots him down, um, saying, you know, like, learn a better pickup line, basically. <laughs> it must be hard with your sense of direction. Oh my gosh. It was really cute. Yeah, she doesn't have any time for that aspect of his behavior. And when she leaves... Um, Sam just ridicules his brother, being like, okay, name three kids you know if you love kids so much. <laughs> well, I, I, I love that, too, because, uh, see, in my notes, I wrote down both Angela and Andrea, so I'm having <laughs> to, like, recalibrate for a second. <laughs> but when Andrea, not Angela, uh, when she walks away, Sam is like, Kids are the best, huh? <laughs> Mocking Dean for how he was trying to connect to Andrea mm-hmm. in the walk and talk. And then with the, you know, name three kids that you know, I'm like, this is sad. This is not funny. Dean, Dean, name three people that you know, please. Oh, truly. Like, this whole walk and talk here, I was just transfixed with the fact that he's in his father's leather jacket and it looks so (laughs) big on him. He looks like he's swimming in it. He just looks like this little boy, this overeager puppy that's like, hey, can we flirt? Can we flirt? And she's like, it's two blocks. You do not have time. (laughs) Man, and then, and then, Sam, this is one of the first moments where I was like, Sam, come on, Sam, because Sam's mocking Dean for trying to, you know, flirt with uh, Andrea, uh, trying to connect through that kid's angle, and then he's like, you don't even like kids, and Dean's like, I love kids, Uh, kids are the best, but... He loves kids. Kids are the best. He's really good with kids. Yeah. But Sam like, is... that. That's one of those disconnects, you know? Yeah. It's genuine for Dean, or at least it appears mm-hmm. to be genuine, that he does like children. He just doesn't live a life that really has space for them. Right, right. And so it's like that sincerity is under question as soon as sam is like okay name three of them then like sam is missing the point that this is something that dean is sincere about even if there is an absence of it in his life exactly exactly and maybe i'm future seasons projecting but we know from Dean that he does genuinely enjoy children and he is very good with them. And it's something that he, 
I would even say wanted for himself in his life. But name three kids that you know. It's because, like you said, there's not space in this life for children. That's not knowing kids, not having friends or those connections doesn't preclude wanting to have those relationships. Yeah, it's like Michael Scott. I love kids. I'd love to have one someday. <laughs> I'm getting too much. I'm getting too Dean feels, okay? It's, it's this not... episode is drowning in Dean feels. Like, this episode setting the foundation for all these Dean fields that are coming in the future. It It's laying down the railroad tracks so that later seasons can run you over with that train. <laughs> the trolley problem is not a problem because it's just one set of tracks. You are lying on it <laughs> and you are going to die. Those uh, heartstrings are the only victims here. Yep. Uh. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like, name three kids you don't. It's like, Sam, you're the kid he knows. He doesn't see you as an adult yet. You're still the kid that he raised. Like, name three kids he knows. Sammy, Samuel, Sam. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. We got to move on. So they're in the motel. Sam is on his laptop and he finds not only were there three people missing this year, but there's six that have gone missing in the last 35 years. But it seems to have accelerated this year. And I'm so curious about later in the episode, we didn't hear about those six, like all of the people that have gone missing throughout the mm -hmm. course of these disappearances. Uh, but when we learn later that these are revenge killings and that the spirit is, uh, is victimizing specifically people that would hurt the individuals that, caused his death uh i wonder about like i want to know about all of the people that went missing like wives friends yeah other children i don't know but i'm like is it God, siblings this... like yeah you would think that the episode would have a little room to say you know this isn't the first tragedy that struck this family mm -hmm. and instead we're just led to believe okay sophie's the first but like where's the wife she could have easily been a victim that we're just not aware of yeah yeah I, it just made me curious uh that unspoken backstory to the whole thing mm -hmm. but yeah there's um you know these are not the only disappearances it's happened before and if this is the same thing then the killings are accelerating Yep. And Sam is saying he doesn't believe it's a lake monster because usually there is reports and accounts of people seeing it. But in this instance, there is no witnesses. But um, the article that is pulled up on his laptop, Dean looks over his shoulder and says that he recognizes that name. And indeed, it is Andrea's husband, Christopher, who was one of the victims earlier that year. And it turns out that he had their son, Lucas, out there with him while they were swimming. And it wasn't until two hours after his disappearance that Lucas was rescued. So he was stranded out there on the lake on his own for two hours. Yeah, supposedly having seen his father drown. Yeah. And so maybe there is a witness after yeah. all. Yeah, so... 
if this is our witness, then they're going to try and get information out of him. But before they leave, um, they're kind of putting two and two together. Say, okay, so maybe Lucas is so quiet and, you know, like his mom is ushering him off to use crayons and cardboard paper. Cardboard paper? Uh, Um, Yeah, that's right. Construction paper. Yeah, that's what you said. Finger guns. Finger guns. (laughs) Um, Dean does drop one of those little heartache bombs here saying, watching one of your parents die isn't exactly something you get over. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing this episode. Yeah. Woof. Woof. So... They had overheard in the sheriff's office that Andrea was picking up her son and going to the park at three. So they go to the park playground and with her permission, Dean goes to chat with Lucas while Sam stays and chats with Andrea. And we have army men giving me young mm-hmm. Sam and Dean and Paula Fields. And mm-hmm. I'm like, this is episode three. I didn't ask for this. <laughs> yeah, no, this I didn't place it on my initial watch that this is maybe where they drew the army toys for um the flashback bits in swan song but yeah dean just plays with the little army men that lucas has out beside him and he's making small chat about his drawings and trying to get some information about that yeah yeah as you know as sensitively, I would say, as he can, you you don't have to say it. You could just draw it. I understand not wanting to talk about it. It it's a horrible thing that you saw. Uh, but even if you think that uh, people wouldn't hear you or believe you, I would believe you. So. You know, I want to help. Let me help. Yeah. It's this really tender moment. You can see the way Dean's face is moving as he says this, that it really is affecting him to recall um, that moment in his Mm -hmm. history that um, this type of conversation is tied to. Like saying, I think I know how you feel. When I was your age, I saw something. And he just clams up right when he says that and kind of shifts back to offering assurances to Lucas, trying to open that door of communication between them. Yeah, yeah. We see a glimpse uh, behind those closed doors, closed even to Dean himself, but... He's not quite ready yet to to open them fully to establish that connection because yeah. he we we know that he has experienced something very similar to yeah, what Lucas is going through. It's very cutting for him to recall this, you know, his mother's death. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem to be getting him anywhere, so he eases off the gas and lets Lucas be. He shows the picture he drew four stick figures of his family heartbreaking (sighs) but (laughs) we go back to andrea chatting with sam and basically saying that it appears lucas has like ptsd from what happened to his father yeah he he is he has gone selectively mute 
He has not spoken since the incident, not even to his mom. Uh, he is much more subdued than he used to be. He isn't, you know, the kid that he once was. Yeah. And Dean takes this moment to um, offer Andrea some encouragement, saying, you know, kids are tough. He'll get through it. You know, just keep your chin up type thing. Mm -hmm. Again, drawing on personal history. Um, But Lucas interrupts them at this point, and he silently passes a drawing to Dean, and it is a picture of a house eerily reminiscent of the cabin we saw at the start of the episode yes except it didn't have the ugly green paint on the photo so or the sepia tone overlay (laughs) so i didn't recognize it right off let's just say okay that's fair but we're back now we cut to the dawson creek house Mm -hmm. back to the cabin And Bill is watching TV very despondently. He is not reacting when Will comes in trying to coax his father into eating dinner. Uh, Junior says, I'll go make something then while uh, Bill doesn't doesn't react. He is uh, similar to as he was on the dock. He is very, you know. Almost catatonic. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then Will goes to clean some fish in the kitchen sink, which those sepio tones that you mentioned, I could not, literally the lighting was so bad. I couldn't see what he was trying to clean. I thought it was a zucchini. And then when he cut (laughs) into it and it squelched like that, I had a visceral reaction. (laughs) Vegetables should not cut that way I <laughs> and then I realized it was a fish mm-hmm. and I'm like who just has a bunch of fish sitting out on a countertop and you're like I'm gonna clean one of them <laughs> but at any rate he's cutting in it's squelching and he has um, the water running in this big farmer's sink and all of a sudden is backing up from the drain. There is this dark water, this grisly black oily sludge almost. And Mm -hmm. rather than reacting like a sane person, he's like, I'm just going to roll up my sleeve and I'm going to pull out whatever is, you know, the plug for this sink. And he grabs the chain for the plug and Hey, look, it's not the thing that's clogging the drain. No, I would challenge that, B, because, you know, if my sink was back clogging like that, I mean, yeah, I think, what the hell? That's really gross. Ugh, now this is something I have to deal with. But I wouldn't think there's something supernatural happening. And <laughs> I'm not saying supernatural, but like my sink backlogs like that. I'm like, okay, good game. I've run out of lives. I'm uh, walking out of the house towards the horizon. Like, I cannot touch that. Physically, I cannot. Sometimes you just have to roll up your sleeves and gut the fish. Really can't. Really can't. My first instinct, I'm going to go find a clothes wire. I'm going to bend it into a hook shape. And I'm going to manifest the ability to unclog the drain using this tiny stick of metal. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, he goes he goes um searching for what yeah. is causing He goes hog wild yeah. up to the elbow and beyond in this sink. What's it called and when you when you try to catch catfish with your bare hands noodling down the insane. sink? Insane. <laughs> insane is what it's called. He's going noodling, and uh, oh, that's right, you fish. It doesn't turn out well for him. I am both from the south, and when I moved out into the desert, I picked up fly fishing. So I know of noodling and fly fishing. I wouldn't say that I fish be. It's just (laughs) I am the most landlocked bitch you will meet. Like. I I've seen fish in dugouts that were put in there and then not maintained, so the fish all went away. And I'm like, that's fishing. This tiny <laughs> little square of land, purposefully dug for water, and you put fish in it, and it's good for one season. The end. I do not do this. <laughs> hey hey, I also I also know a thing or two about rig fishing where you go out to the oil rigs on the Gulf Coast and then you drop a line what? for some snapper or a shark or two. What? Yeah. What? Because because a, I fish there's more than one fishing. <laughs> B fishing shark. Right, you have to you keep a chum bucket, right? And then you chum no. the water and then you get the shark. No, you drive 20 minutes and maybe you find a crick and you can walk past it. It's so shallow. I think it's because I fish that I am heebie-jeebies out by any body of water larger than a bathtub. I'm I'm still stunned. I'm like also heebie-jeebies by water, but like mountains get me more than anything. Because again, <laughs> flat, landlocked bitch. The first time... I ever went through the mountains. I was a passenger in my dad's vehicle. I was very young, like teen, somewhere in there. And the whole time I like was hiding my eyes. I was averting my gaze from out the window. And anytime I looked out, I was just like, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> like I was so angry <laughs> at the mountains. I couldn't <laughs> comprehend it. I <laughs> I I did not have any sort of elevation where I grew up. It was all rolling plains. So mm-hmm. when I moved out to New Mexico, there are plenty of mountains, you know, bordering Colorado and mm-hmm. New Mexico has its own uh mountain ranges. I was like, that's a big rock. That's a big rock. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, they can stay at their distance. Going through them, I was just blind rage, I guess, is what I was experiencing. It did not make sense. But it was like the animal inside me was panicking and rattling at its cage. It's like, we need to get the fuck out of here. (laughs) The Rockies are just too big, guys. You grow up on flat prairies... You're like, a hill? Who's going to walk up that? That's so much effort. And then you see a fucking mountain and you're like, this is insane. No one does this. (laughs) My small human brain can't comprehend. Look, I don't like the water because I know that there are things in the water. So this episode, 
no, no. I like that's already I said that the I said that the heebie jeebies were elevated in this episode. I think that the subject matter um, you know, got me there. Yeah. It and helped. like this sink scene, it's it gets me. I'm just like, mm, I'm scared of the dishes. I don't like reaching my hand <laughs> into that dirty water. And then if that dirty water drowned me, least favorite way to go oh my god poor junior he reaches in trying to find the clog and he is dragged under into the sink and he is drowned right there in the kitchen which i have to mention in the previous scene you can literally see the kitchen sink from where Mm -hmm. bill is sitting watching his mash can you tell i know like three tv shows yeah there's (laughs) (laughs) there's some cowboys and indians something happening on the screen there but you can see the kitchen from the living room and will is thrashing fighting for his life and i'm like okay bill okay but to be fair the kitchen sink is a double sink it's not a farmer's sink so i'm thinking that there's some sort of prep station for the fish where they're like yuck this is the sink that the guts go down how what i'm 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 talking about i'm talking about how like he did not go quietly into that good night uh, but if you're canatonic, baby, and if it's a real good episode of MASH, oh my god, this okay. is before DVR. Th- this scene, this scene did get to me because I was like, I felt bad. I felt bad for this boy. Um, mm, yeah. I would not want to go that way I'm again. Just, death yeah. by dishes. No <laughs> fucking thanks. I really, I really wanted someone to come save the day there. Yeah. I feel bad for this kid. He's like, I didn't fuck with the water, and the water still came and fucked with me. Oh. Anyways, I also, Rip. I don't like drowning scenes. Hey, guys, this isn't No Chick Flick Moments. This is an airing of all of our fears <laughs> and traumas. <laughs> we're sitting here, we're writing down the list of spooky shit, and we're, like, crossing it off the list. We're like, don't fucking like forests. Okay, last episode sucked. Don't like caves. Don't like water. Don't like the earth, apparently. <laughs> I I can't. I can't with drowning scenes. I can't. Mm-hmm. So, mm. Okay, question. Would you rather drown or would you rather get immolated in a fire? I don't want to answer that fucking question. It's because the worst I have question. Seen, because I have seen both Poseidon the movie and <laughs> American Horror Story where immolation <laughs> is their like fucking go-to. And I can't. I don't. I won't. I'm sorry, B. I can't I can't play with you in this space. I was obsessed with that question as a kid. I was like this is the only two options of death, oh and you God. have to pick one. So I always picked the fire one because I was like, that last breath of drowning, I could not fucking take it. I hate you. I can't. Okay. I'm putting a fucking trigger warning on this episode. <laughs> Just say from this minute to that minute, we're insane about morbid fears including dishes mountains and self-immolation <laughs> i would pick drowning oh i couldn't do it 
No one wants. No one could do it. B. No one. No, I mean to do it. You know what I mean. No. No. We're not getting into this. You're not my therapist. I'm. I'm red. I'm crossing my arms like red xing out of this. (laughs) So what were we talking about? Um, Sam returns with grim news about Will's death. And so Dean is kind of going, hmm, maybe it's not like a Loch Ness monster or anything in the water. Maybe it's something that controls water. And if it controls water, maybe it controls the lake water. Egads, that's our lead. Yes, water from a single source. And if the source is the lake, then it can reach Anywhere, anyone could be a victim. Egads. And it's probably speeding up because the lake is in danger once that spillway opens up. So it's running against a clock. And if they're going to protect people, they need to do that right away. Yep. If it's tied to the water, then it's on a deadline. So. Yeah. And since two of the Carlton family have died, Sam is saying, you know, it probably has to do with them. And Christopher Barr was, um, you know, Lucas's father, his godson. Uh, listen to this. Do I know English grammar? Godfather. Bill Carlton's godson is Lucas Barr. So maybe right. that was the connection that killed Christopher. Right, right. So they go back to Bill, and without his son there to defend him, they're really asking him, you know, is there any connection to you? Can you tell us anything? And instead of really having answers, Bill is doing some philosophical (laughs) diggings, and, you know, he's got nothing to tell them, but they can tell that there's something he's not saying. Yes, very much so. You know, he doesn't want to answer their questions. Uh, he he's lost everyone, and and it's worse than dying to have everyone you love be taken yeah, from you to lose a kid this way. Yeah. So Sam and Dean leave Bill to his moping. Ah, oh, I feel bad. It's not moping. He's grieving. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he's he, numb with shock yeah yeah they they leave bill and um they they do acknowledge that he's been through hell but he seems to be hiding something yes and before they leave dean happens to look over at the cabin and he's like okay this really reminds me of lucas's drawing so if lucas drew this before shit happened then is lucas maybe aware of what's going on we need to question him again as well yeah yeah did he know that uh you know did he know that the next victim would be from this place yeah he might have some knowledge that they can use to protect others Mm -hmm. so they go to andrea and they try and convince her to let them talk to lucas Um, Dean does try speaking with him again, and the drawings he sees is just this red bicycle over and over. When he shows Lucas the cabin where Will just died, he asks about that. 
And um, Sam is standing in the doorway as he listens to Dean recount how he felt after Mary died and how he just didn't feel like talking either. Right. This is where he says what he didn't, what he couldn't say before. I I saw something really bad happen, just like you. I know what it's like, and I know how hard it is. And he says, but I also know that my mom, she she wanted me to be brave, and I think about that every day, and I do my best to be brave for her yeah and i'm just like yeah that's fine we're cool no big deal (laughs) i mean that's that's not mm -hmm. formative that's not character building to the max you can see sam's face softening as he listens like oh there's this side of my brother that's human and i didn't expect yeah yeah it was hard it it was hard and i didn't want to talk about it and i it was hard to come out of it but i know that my mom she wanted me to be brave and that is what i hold on to every day my mom wants me to be brave and i try my very best to be brave for her i'm just like thinking of 26 year old dean being like be brave even when you maybe don't feel like being brave yeah yeah again we're talking about masks and layers and this persona that he puts on versus who he might actually be like he doesn't allow himself to kind of bow down between bow down into the grief say the way that this bill carlton is dean Mm -hmm. just can't allow himself and, and I don't know how much of this impression that I formed here was from just the last two episodes or through what I know about the series as a whole, but the impression I got here was how oh, here we're turning it on its head where Dean so far has been, you know, his father's son. He yeah, is father. Devil may care. Well, no, I was going to say he's following his father's mission. His drive comes from this, like, righteousness of cause that has been, has seemed to have been instilled in him by his father. Um, yeah, that's fair. And and then we have here him saying, like, the the thing that keeps me going is to be brave. But it's not my father's voice that I hear, it's my mother's. Yeah. Gosh. That pedestal again that Mary lives on. <laughs> Oof, we'll get into it's that. way too early. <laughs> yeah, no. But if his mom wanted him to be brave, then maybe Lucas's dad felt the same way and wants Lucas to be brave. And right. so with that spurring on, Lucas does share another drawing, this time of a yellow house, a church, this little boy with the blue cap and the red bicycle. Yeah. Yeah. And and Dean had asked in this conversation, you know, did you know what was going to happen? Do you know what's next? And can you, you know, anything that you saw, anything that you know, you can, you can show me or tell me. Um, And, and this is what 
he he gives to Dean. And then we have Sam and Dean and and they they've left and they're now in the Apollo and they're discussing yeah. what this means. Yeah, we have a car talk here. Mm-hmm. And Andrea has said that the drawing is something new since his father died. And Sam is wondering if, you know, trauma can sometimes bleed to the traumatic the traumatized victim gaining super natural abilities. No, no, what he's saying, no, really what he's saying is like they know. I mean, I was being a little facetious when I said that. He's meaning that the trauma can open you up to perception, like this ESP that maybe not everyone experiences because you've been kind of carved into this new shape. Right, right. And this is, for me, one of the things that um, was kind of a show-don't-tell on their their knowledge of the supernatural. And we know from future seasons that they are acquainted with actual psychics. So yes. people who, have, who, who are... Uh, who do have these preternatural abilities and and so i think that this is another thing that is kind of just understood for them as a thing that can happen where maybe from the out for where of course from the outside it sounds insane but yeah. for for lucas you know sam is saying for for those that are predisposed to such things then a trauma could open them up to their psychic abilities i also feel like this is maybe a little seed planted for sam's future storylines because you know they've gone through trauma and we see how um sam evolves as a character throughout seasons one and two Mm -hmm. and i feel like you know this felt like a echo of what's to come i definitely agree with that especially in these first couple of episodes these first few episodes every new thing that we hear is a new thing to the series lore as a whole so this is the first thing that we're hearing on you know psychics and psychic abilities exist in this world and it is something that is very relevant in the first couple of seasons of this show. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Sam also uses this time to broach what Dean said about their mother and how come Dean never said anything about it before. And Dean's reaction here is very interesting. How stone-faced he goes saying that it's not a big deal. But then he puts on a smile and he's like, I'll shut up. Yeah. We're not going to hug, are we? Yeah. He quips and puts on the mask, deflects. And Sam also immediately relaxes into the moment, which was the desired effect. Yeah. Here's my brother the way I expect him. You know, the pre-packaged portion of personality. Oh, alliteration. (laughs) Um... So Dean changes the subject back to, okay, so we're looking for a yellow house in a county of yellow houses. And Sam says, well, what about the church on the drawing? There's not as many of those. So driving around, they end up coming across the location 
they find the house and they go and talk to the homeowner, this um, older woman who seems a little hollowed out. And they're asking after the young boy who was also in the drawing that Lucas provided in front of the yellow house. Uh, and the woman says, no, there hasn't been a, a young boy here for a very long time. Yeah, there hasn't been a young boy here for 35 years. No, she. <laughs> it's a little more organic than that, I think. I know. Uh, we, we cut, we, you know, they're asking after her dead son, and then she is extrapolating on that story. Yeah. Essentially saying that she has no idea what happened to him. He was supposed to come straight home after school, but he never did the one day. And she ends up repeating what Bill Carlton was saying about how losing a kid is worse than dying itself. Right. And you can see Sam and Dean kind of go, hmm, where have we heard that before? Look at each other. Right, right. They check out the kid's bedroom and they find a photo of Peter with Bill from 1970. So this is just further confirming their suspicions that Bill was the target of maybe this deceased kid who has come back as a vengeful spirit. Right. They leave uh, the yellow house and now they are racing back to Bill's cabin because this is the... This is the concrete link, and now they have a better idea of what they're dealing with, because if Bill knew this Peter, this young boy Peter, who went missing, then this reeks now of revenge and vengeance. Yes. Yes. If two Carltons are dead, then the third is likely to follow soon. So they rush out to the lake again and they arrive in time to see Bill out on the lake in a boat. They're yelling. Is this the point? No. Yeah. I'm off. No, that's right. They they, they go to the house. They you can go ahead. Yeah. They go to the door that he doesn't answer, but they see they, they see him going out onto the lake. Oh, sorry. What I was thinking of was we saw a scene with just Bill on his own kind of mumbling to the lake saying, I didn't believe it before, but I think I know now. I think I know what you want. And then that's what drives him to get into this boat, go out on the lake and Sam and Dean arrive and they're like, hey, do not do that. Do the opposite of that. Come Mm -hmm. back. And the boat ends up getting tossed out of the water the way you would expect to see if, say, a whale breached right beneath it. Like, Bill is ass over tea kettle, slamming dead by. Yeah. Yeah. His boat goes over and he is dragged down just like the other victims. Yep. Yep. So back Never to be seen again. Ooh. Ooh. Spooky water. <laughs> oh, boy. Rip Bill. Yep. Now that Bill's dead, there's nothing for them to really do besides turn back to the sheriff's office, question mark. They get there and Andrea and Lucas are there. Um, she brought her dad some dinner, but he is busy being upset about Bill. <laughs> 
Well, well, I took this as, you know, we here now we have Sam and Dean as the witness to what is now the new crime scene. Yeah. But how often have they gone and like willingly been questioned by the police? I don't know, B. It's episode three. I don't know either, but I really, I didn't know what to think of this scene here. This was the one that felt like a little bit of a clunker that we wanted everyone all in the same room. It's well, okay. Yep. So we have Sam, Dean, and the sheriff. They come in back into the police precinct and uh, Andrea and Lucas are there. Andrea is delivering dinner to her father and she heard about bill is it is it true yeah and lucas starts pulling on dean's arm really you know he seems totally upset as they go to leave and dean is also quite pensive about this yes uh lucas is very obviously distressed and he's he's pulling at dean's sleeve like he wants him to do something about it but what lucas can't say yeah so the sheriff has listened to sam and dean's account of bill's death but um does not believe like he's a total skeptic about this whole something stole bill away and he is countering what Sam and Dean are saying by being like, you know, I looked into your background. I verified you aren't with wildlife. And the only reason why you aren't arrested is that a neighbor's, I um, gave an eyewitness account of Bill going out on the lake before you showed up. Otherwise you guys would be the murder suspects. Now get the fuck out of town or I'll arrest you. And they're like, get the fuck out. Sounds fine. Yeah. But I loved this scene because i thought that it was very even though sam and dean apparently didn't catch it um i liked it a lot because i thought that it was immediately sus that the sheriff was like i know you're full of shit i don't believe what you're you know it wasn't Mm -hmm. even i don't believe what you're trying to sell me here because all sam and dean are doing are asking questions really like something is in the water something is doing it but what is it and the the sheriff is shutting them down in that uh and he's giving them this ultimatum to say i i know that you're not who you say you're you are so um i could arrest you but just you know because i'm such a good guy i'll let you leave and don't let the door hit you on the way out but for me i was like this is him telling them to stop digging and that he doesn't want them digging and why would he not want them digging Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes because as law enforcement he could just arrest them but instead he's like if you go away then this will go away so i'm encouraging you to never darken my doorstep again Right. So for me, I felt like the sheriff was immediately identified as the next link to what's really Mm -hmm. happening here. Yeah, I agree. 
So we go to the sheriff's house where Andrea and Lucas have been staying and it's late at night. Lucas is still up drawing and it's just this black void that looks very ominous. Um, Andrea is sending him to bed and then she is prepping a night soak in the tub. And at the same time, Sam and Dean are about to leave town when Dean decides to head back in because he doesn't think that this is over yet. Just because Bill's dead doesn't mean the case is done. Right, because it's Sam pushing back on this, saying, you know, Bill's Bill's dead. Whatever it was, the, the link has been broken. If there is a vengeful spirit, then the job's done. There's nothing more to do here. But Dean says that he doesn't, it doesn't feel right. And Lucas was so scared. It, it, yeah. it doesn't feel like it's over yet. Yeah. And how would you feel if we left only to find out that this vengeful killing is still going on here. Right, right. I don't want to leave this town until I know the kid's okay. Yeah. So they head to the house and Andrea is in the tub. It is very full of clean water at this point. Again, I'm like, that's going to (laughs) spill. But... The water darkens very quickly, and when she opens her eyes and realizes that it's this oily water now, she freaks out, and there is now a boy's voice that is whispering, Come play with me. Come play with me. Just before she gets dragged under the water. (laughs) Do you have a tub big enough in your house to take baths in? Well, I have a tub, but sure as shit do not. <laughs> I'm learning new things about you, B. Uh, from episode one and then this episode here, I am I think I'm learning a bit more about your psyche. Oh my god, I hope it's good things and not like, hmm, it's just a spider's web rat's nest of fears. <laughs> this meat suit like ratatouille. <laughs> Uh, me i was just like andrea you're gonna let your tub overflow like what are mm-hmm. you trying to do turn the faucet off with your foot uh but yeah she gets she gets dragged under and we see lucas banging on the bathroom door uh he cannot get in yeah And he is just frantic, and it's at this moment that Sam and Dean show up at the door, and Sam's kind of like, I don't know, isn't it kind of late to be ringing the doorbell? But (laughs) Lucas just rips that door open and is panicked, and they follow him upstairs, and Dean knocks down the bathroom door, and Sam rushes in and uses all of his strength to pull Andrea out of the water. Yep. Whatever's holding her down does not want to let go. Yeah, and it's not a easy spell to break. Yeah. But he does it. He drags her from the tub, and they end up on the flooded bathroom floor. And now, you know, it's not so easily ignored. Something is definitely going on. Yeah. So it's the next morning and Sam and Andrea are talking while Dean is kind of flipping through her library looking for photo albums. And Sam is assuring 
Andrea, she isn't crazy, even though she's sitting there being like, there's no way that happened. Like, this isn't real. I'm I'm imagining things. Yeah. Dean manages to find an old photo album, and there looks like to be a Boy Scout photo, but um, he brings it to Andrea, asking to verify, you know, this is a picture of Bill, Peter, and her dad. Right, right. So whatever connection Bill had to Peter, it could be that Jake, Andrea's father, the sheriff, shares this connection, shares that connection. And this vengeful spirits revenge tour is not over yet. Yep. So at this point, Lucas is staring outside and he walks out into the woods and they kind of chase after him but he does stop at a point on the property and dean kind of puts two and two together and they go get shovels and when they dig up this location they end up finding the red bike that lucas has been drawing over and over it's been buried underground for years yeah yeah and then Boom. Boom. Drake. Surprise. Jake. Drake. (laughs) Not Drake. (laughs) Jake comes onto the scene, weapon drawn, and the secret is out. Yeah. He's like, how did you know that was there? Like, what? How? How? Because he still can't really believe that this part of his past is coming back up. Mm -hmm. And Dean's even saying, you know, you can't bury the truth. Nothing stays buried. It always comes out. And Andrea sees this from inside. She sends Lucas upstairs and then she runs outside telling him, like her father, to stop. And Sam and Dean warn him that it's going to take Andrea next and then go after him. It wants the parents to suffer. Right. It's going to do the same thing to Jake that it did to Bill. It's going to take everyone that he loves. And then it will take Jake too. And here yeah. is where the whole story comes out. What What did you do? And it comes out that Jake and Billy both were involved in Peter's murder. Uh, he was a small kid, easily made fun of, and they bullied him. Jake and Billy did. And one day it just it got physical and it went too far. They held him under the water at the lake and they inadvertently drowned him. Yep. So this accidental drowning claimed Peter and they let go of the body. It sank into the water and they buried the bike and just tried to forget this mistake in their past. Right. Yeah. So with this information, Dean has saying, you know, we need to find Peter's bones. We need to salt and burn them. But first and foremost, we need to get you away from the lake. But while they've been talking, Lucas has almost been pulled under a siren spell towards the lake and they notice him out on the dock and they see him get pulled under by Peter, this time who is visible 
just like his face bobbing outside of the water. Yes, yeah. Sam and Dean sprint for the dock. They dive in after Lucas, uh, and and Jake sees from the lake shore this corpse like vision of mm-hmm. Peter, and it is Peter's spirit. Which they did a good job. They did they did a yeah. better job with the with with this child, <laughs> creepy child. That, than they did with last week's Wendigo. But yeah. Yeah. This episode really did a tell of his, you know, he, they let the build up, the absence mm-hmm. of seeing him be the thing that was scary. Again, just this dark water that is able to kill you. Mm-hmm. And they left the visual of, you know, the actual dead kid ghost to be very sparingly used in the episode. And that made it more effective. Right. Just the top half of his face peeking out up from the water. And Jake mm-hmm. sees him. The sheriff sees him now realizes that this is not some crazy people theory. This is something that's actually come back to literally haunt him. And, um, and he strips his jacket and wades into the lake to sacrifice himself. He's calling to Peter saying that he's sorry, saying that he didn't mean to saying, saying to take him begging for mm-hmm. lucas's life he's just a child take me instead yep if he's the one that peter wants well here he is willing to be taken and sure enough he is grabbed andrea is really upset she has to stay away from the water so she doesn't become a victim herself but her father is gone and her son is nowhere in sight sam breaches the water and he's like I got nothing but it's a tense moment later that Dean breaks the surface and he fortunately has Lucas in his arms and is holding his head above the water yep yep so Lucas is saved and it is time for Sam and Dean to leave the town they've stopped at the motel they've dried off changed clothes and um, Dean is looking a little bummed out that they couldn't save Jake or Bill or Will. Well, but Sam is. Sam. Is. Well, Sam's the one saying, like, you can't save everyone. No, Dean said that. Look, you're well, not going to save everyone. I I guess I got it backwards. I was like, Dean looked bummed to me. I guess I'm attuned to be to bean to dean bean it's fine who the fuck knows what i'm talking about i think it was dean that said look we're not gonna save everybody because dean is consoling sam okay i'll take it yeah we'll just yeah. go with that yeah 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 we watched this episode andrea <laughs> and lucas they show up they've made them lunch and lucas is talking now yeah hey sam hey dean can i give him their sandwiches now oh and he's got such a quiet little voice when he speaks it's so cute sam is apologizing to andrea you know like sorry your husband and now your dad died 
But she just thanks them for saving Lucas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You saved my son. I couldn't ask for anything more than that. I just have to remember that no matter what, my dad loved me. He loved Lucas. I'll have to focus on that. Not try to get lost in the tragedy of everything that happened. Yeah, I feel like this was maybe an echo to the way Bill was handling his grief, where he was very lost in the sauce, mm-hmm. and Andrea's more trying to say, you know, we can't change anything, we're going to take the good, we're going to walk forward with that. Yeah. And then Dean is the cutest motherfucker! Oh, Dean is in dad mode right now with Lucas, teaching him, like, a little catchphrase and doing high fives with him. The rapport that he, in, like, just instantly establishes with the child, even when Lucas was not himself, is is so genuine, mm-hmm. which is why I was so, like, does not compute when Sam says, hey, from what I know of you, Dean, you don't like kids. What are you talking about? Yeah. I'm like, look at this boy! Look at this man! What are you talking like, about? Dean, yeah, he's rapping with Lucas right now, and what he, if you look at what he's done, like, he's opened the passenger side of the Impala, he's sitting so that he's at Lucas's height, they're engaging at that level, like, he's doing everything to show that he's accommodating to this child, and, like, genuinely is caring for this kid like it's not like okay you helped us solve the case now who are you again like he genuinely seems to care (sighs) you got me feeling you got me feeling b (laughs) impossible dean feels in my podcast with every scene that dean is trying to connect with lucas uh, you're right he brings himself down to lucas's level he's speaking to him directly he is being he's following lucas's cues Mm -hmm. to to try to you know communicate with the kid and it's just it's really good okay and then here uh, uh the way that dean is still trying to heal lucas because all of these things he's trying to through his own experiences with something similar that Lucas is going through in this moment, he's trying to help the kid guide him out of this this pain. Yeah. Um, trying to spare Lucas some of the... You know, it, it, it's just so interesting because I, I think we now know that Dean went through something very similar to what Lucas is going through and also some of the same recovery processes. Yeah. The same trauma response, the same trauma response. That's what I was looking for. And I just wonder how much he's drawing on, you know, what What actually had. Yeah. What he either, what he wished he had in the moment to, to help him recover or what, actually helped him to recover yeah in the long run yeah so anyways uh he's talking to lucas now and he's just being very 
kind. He's being that car salesman level of charismatic and engaging, Mm -hmm. but in a way that now feels sincere. Like, this is truer to his character. It's not a persona that he's putting on. It's something that comes light and easy to him. Yeah, yeah. And he also takes the time to say, hey, look after your mom, okay? Like, he is not just being superficial with the kid. He's trying to legitimately, sincerely send him off in a good way. I don't know. Yeah, here's some resources, basically. (laughs) Here's my verbal pamphlet that I'm passing on to you. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He was, it was cute. It was cute. And again, I found this to be curious because when we had the pairing off, as I mentioned, it's Dean and Lucas, Sam and Andrea. But Andrea decides to give a parting kiss to Dean here. Mm-hmm. Even though she said this was not Jerry Maguire, she was not going to go after this guy who seemed interested in his kid. Right, right. But but still, I think that it was obvious that the 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 center of this episode was, or I think that it was obvious that this episode was very Dean centric and Mm -hmm. like you said Sam was almost just witness to this side of Dean that I don't think that he had seen before I think about episode one where Sam says dad let you go on a hunt on your own and Dean this has been his life for the past two and a half years He's been doing these cases. He's been the nomad hunter that is, I don't know. I felt like in this moment, this was just another one of them, those relearning each other moments. Yeah. This episode is really cracking open that door to say the Dean we see is not the entirety of who he is or what his character will be. Mm Mm-hmm. 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 So mm-hmm. they drive off and Andrea and Lucas are they're kind of smiling watching them drive away. Driving off into the sunset. Another episode closed. Yep. Yep. And that's it. That was episode three. Dead in the water. <laughs> what is your final takeaway, Remy? Let's Rochambeau. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't think it works in a podcast medium. Let's see. Okay, my final takeaway is something you're probably not expecting. But my final takeaway is that I feel so jilted that we have a Lucas Barr, who is this child psychic, that we never bring back in any of the 15 years of Supernatural right? since. <laughs> right? I mean, granted, I don't know if I would trust them to do that effectively. You know? I just liked it. I liked it. It's a new aspect yes. to the Supernatural lore that we hadn't seen before. We yes. are told that he has these burgeoning abilities, again, of a new sort that we had never heard of. It's, it was intriguing to me. 
And then knowing what I know of Supernatural, overall, I don't, I wish that they had had more of the kind of everyday earthly supernatural rather than the the heaven and hell conflicts that we escalate up to through the later seasons of the show i i wish that we had more of of the psychics and the monsters and the spirits and this kind of thing but i mean not to get too broad to on it to put a point on it it's uh lucas would have been a great callback to bring more psychics into Mm -hmm. i don't know into the show itself because we have like a handful at most and i just think that it's an underutilized uh uh narrative in in the whole of the series yeah, I agree. He definitely had room, kind of like, you know, Jesse the Antichrist. Yes. Of, I'd like to see what they're doing in five years. I'd like to see what they're doing in ten years. That sort of approach, just bring them back into an episode the way that they brought Missouri Mosley in season 13. Only don't. Only don't. Don't do what you did. Yeah. Don't do that. Like, that's where I say I don't know if I would trust them. Because... Uh-huh. Supernatural is kind of notorious for, oh, you like that character? Well, we don't want to have to pay for them. <laughs> yeah. 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 I I saw I saw Lucas here and I was like, oh, I'm so intrigued. Like, oh, this is fun. And then uh, I wish that they had done something with that later. Mm-hmm. Other than, you know, the horrible season 10 plot where Oh, you want to revisit episodes one through six? Okay, yeah, we can do that. Totally. Yeah, you're going to love it. Uh Aries is chewing on his collar. (laughs) So, strangely, I got, like, really emotionally invested in Lucas, just Mm -hmm. himself, his little boy self. So um... He's a really good character. He was really effective, even with, like, the minimal lines that he had. Like, Mm -hmm. I I really felt for him. And again, because Dean connected with him, too. (laughs) Deanna? Deneen is what I was going to (laughs) say. Deneen. (laughs) So, B, what is your final takeaway? Oh, I mean, we did kind of talk about it off the top of just how Mm -hmm. this episode really lays down some foundational things about Dean, or at least lays down this path that wasn't really anticipated for his character based off the first couple episodes. We were really being sold this Dean who was going to be kind of the tough you know, the jerk with a heart of gold Mm -hmm. to Sam's kind of softer, more intellectual guy. But then this episode was like, no, actually, we're going to flip that a bit and we're going to subvert your expectations. And I just, I really love this episode for what it does, opening up Dean's character to a broader spectrum of emotion and vulnerability. Yeah, and it works. And... Mm -hmm. even if we're thinking of this episode as experimental because it is episode three for any character any writer any director we are still growing into what this series will be yeah 
we're still finding out who these characters are and how they react to things. And so it was very engaging to have a storyline where the day is saved essentially by having our tough macho guy sit down with a kid, genuinely connect with him on a vulnerable plane, and then use that connection to figure out what's going wrong and save the kid ultimately. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's very interesting. in going through these first few episodes, the early seasons, and actually witnessing how what shaped the narrative yeah and why if this episode hadn't happened how that shakes out down the road yeah 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 that is season one episode three dead in the water yeah it was a good one so good and next week we'll be talking about season one episode four phantom traveler a classic. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, they're all classics. This is season one. Yes, fair. They're very vintage at this moment. Good or bad, they're all classics. Yeah. They all bring something intriguing to the table. <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking of bugs again. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Always bugs. Oh, bugs. So, Phantom Traveler, next week, we will see you guys there. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And uh, feel free to hit us up on Twitter, Tumblr, our website. We see you. We appreciate you. Love to see you subscribe or leave a comment uh, on your podcasting platform. It really helps us to... Uh, expand our audience and get out there and we're just trucking along we'll see you guys next week yes thank you guys for joining us and hope you enjoyed and you know let us know if you have your own thoughts and opinions if you disagree if you have things we didn't cover we would love to hear from you absolutely all right so see you next week yeah see you guys bye 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 Cookie. Cookie. Whenever I want a little snack, I go and get a digestive cookie. Are they chocolate? Mm-mm. <gasps> Graham cracker. They melt so nice on your tongue. This was just, just in time for the train, too. Yeah. You know what? I planned it. I'll keep eating the cookie. <laughs> Woo. Woo. Graham cracker is it is it cinnamon graham cracker maybe oh my god it's just graham cracker I think it's just graham cracker yeah because it's kind of like oh I'm sick and I need something for my tummy but mm-hmm. that also makes it just a light little treat Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So my family always stocks digestive cookies around the house. And then they, like, go in and out of fashion. It's not like I eat them every week. It'll be like, oh, I remember I have graham cookies. And then, no, 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 no. Yeah.
Yeah, this has been Cookie Corner with B.